Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. The playoffs start today. We're going to get to my predictions for those in a little bit, but I want to start off by talking about the last few games that happened, the last few games of the regular season that happened on Thursday, Friday, and the play-in game on Saturday. Let's start with the sad news. The Spurs playoff streak is over. After 22 straight years in the postseason, we will not see the San Antonio Spurs in the playoffs after losing to the Utah Jazz 118-112. It's crazy. It's weird. When this streak started during the 1997-98 season, the last dance happened, not the film, the actual season. Kobe Bryant was 19 years old and the youngest all-star in NBA history. And Tim Duncan won Rookie of the Year. Yeah, it's been a long time, but it's one of the most impressive streaks of success in sports history. What they did was incredible in that time. Five championships. Greg Popovich was named Coach of the Year three times. They had 18 consecutive seasons with 50 or more wins. They have the best record in the NBA since 1997, over 1,200 wins. And excluding the NBA hiatus this year, they had a losing record for just 197 out of a possible 8,323 days. 8,000 and less than 200 days with losing record. That's just insane. Congrats to the Spurs for their run of success. I mean, we can't wait for the next one, assuming Popovich stays longer. The Grizzlies guaranteed their spot in the play-in tournament, beating the Bucks 119-106. Milwaukee, of course, without Giannis, suspended because of <laughs> headbutting the Wizards' Mo Wagner. That's just funny. John Morant and Jonas Valanciunas each had triple doubles in the win. The Suns blew out the Mavericks 128-102. They officially went undefeated in the bubble. Dallas played most of its main guys, the only difference being Kristaps Porzingis out and Boban started, and dominated, may I say, 18 points and 20 rebounds. He deserves a starting spot on a team that will utilize him because in the few games he's gotten big-time minutes, he's produced. Remember, he had that 31.17 rebound performance against the Nuggets on March 11th. That was the last game anyone ever saw before the four-month hiatus. But yes, his size is a problem for teams to deal with on the interior. I'm just saying either give him more minutes off the bench behind Porzingis or start him alongside him. That would be troublesome for defenses. But here's the really sad part about this game. The Suns literally did the best they could. They they won every single game they played, all eight of them. They went 8-0, and oh, the only team to do that in the bubble. And they still couldn't get a playoff spot. They were a Karis LeVert make away from getting in. The Blazers earned a hard-fought victory over the Nets. Karis LeVert had 37 points, but it couldn't come over. It couldn't overcome Damian Lillard's 42 points and 12 assists. LeVert had the ball for the Nets down by one on the last possession. He went isolation against CJ McCollum, tried to step back for the win, but it missed off the back rim, and that was it. Portland got in as the eighth seed. So yeah, the Suns, I guess, really did have no business being there. They went eight and zero, and did not make the playoffs. So. That could, you could argue that they deserve to be there, but you could also argue that they didn't deserve to be there with what happened. On Friday, the only games that really mattered, and even so, they really didn't anyway. Both conferences, four and five seeds. In the East, the Pacers and the Heat actually played each other. Whoever won got the fourth seed. Indiana won 109-92. to Scary moment for the Heat this game, however, as Derek Jones Jr. ran into a Goga Batadze screen rather awkwardly. 
in the head and neck area. He went down, barely moved. He was taken off the court on a stretcher, but it was just diagnosed as a neck strain. He's, he was reevaluated this weekend. So good news there. In the West, the Thunder and the Rockets both lost their games, meaning they finished with the same record. But the Thunder have the tiebreaker, so they won the season series 2-1. to one. So OKC will be the 4 seed, Houston will be the 5, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because there's no home court advantage. If it was a normal season and this was... I, I think you would have seen guys play there. Like, the Heat didn't play Butler. Westbrook was out, but that was because of an injury. But the Rockets only played, like, half a game and got obliterated by the 76ers it was really embarrassing but it would have been different I think if they were playing for home court advantage but in the bubble format that's not a thing I want to shout out some individuals who don't get a lot of playing time normally but got their chance to shine last night not last night the last night of the regular season I mean lots of starters resting on in the last game or two of the season. It gives time for the bench, some of the G League guys, some two-way players to do something. And I want to recognize some of them. Terrence Mann of the Los Angeles Clippers, rookie out of Florida State, had a near triple-double in the Clippers' overtime win against the Thunder. 25 points, 14 rebounds, 9 assists. His teammate Amir Coffey, undrafted rookie from Minnesota, put up a career-high 21 points. Literally career highs in every thinkable category for him besides rebounds and turnovers. And and rightfully so. I mean, he played 49 minutes because there was an overtime period. So he only sat, what would that make it? 53 possible minutes. So he only sat four minutes the entire game. He had plenty of opportunity. Hamadou Diallo, career high, 27 points and 11 rebounds off the bench for OKC. Denver's P.J. Dozier played a lot for the Windy City Bulls in the G League this year. Played very well down there. He was a triple-double threat almost every night. 21 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists per game. He scored a career-high 20 points, added 5 rebounds and 8 assists. Stanley Johnson, former top-10 pick of the Pistons, had one of his best games in a long, long time. 23 points, 6 assists. He's on the Raptors now, by the way. Paul Watson, a Raptors two-way player, got his career-high 22 Alizé Johnson of the Pacers, second-year man out of Missouri State, spent a lot of time in Fort Wayne, Indiana with the Pacers G League affiliate, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Got career highs in points and rebounds, 11 points, 17 rebounds. He was a monster on the glass, as he was in the G League as well. He put up numbers down there, 20 points, thir- thir- or excuse me, 13 rebounds, 4 assists per game. Every time I watched him, because I went to a few of his games, Every time I watched him in the G League, it just looked like he was on another level. But it's it's so hard. Those guys that are at the top of the G League, but still barely enough to get min- barely good enough to get minutes in the NBA. It's just they're in a weird position. They're almost too good for the G League, but not good enough for the NBA. But I think he deserves more time with Indiana simply because of his rebounding and athleticism. Those are just a few of the unknown guys who had career nights, and I just wanted to acknowledge them. Let's talk about the playing game on Saturday. Grizzlies versus Blazers. The Blazers were in the eighth seed, so all they had to do was win one game. First quarter, Portland jumps out to a 16-point lead, 30-14. to Grizzlies slowly climb back, and by the 9-17 mark, they retake the lead on Jonas Valanciunas' free throw in the second quarter. The rest of the game is pretty close, so let's skip to the fourth quarter. Ten minutes to go. It's Memphis up by eight, but C.J. McCollum... With a fractured back, this isn't a joke, he's playing with a fractured back, 14 fourth quarter points, up by one with two minutes to go, McCollum goes one-on-one with Morant, cooks the rookie with a step back three, 
Then, after a jaw turnover, McCollum, a pull-up jump shot with 121 to go, puts Portland up by six. Then, Ja makes a flying reverse layup, four-point game. Empty Portland possession, Grayson Allen fouled. 80% free throw shooter makes one of two. Rare miss from Allen. It's a three-point game. Damian Lillard drives all the attentions on him. Who's open in the corner? Carmelo Anthony drains the big-time three, as he's done many times already in the bubble for Portland. It's too much for Memphis to overcome. Final score, 126-122. Blazers win and get into the playoffs. John Morant was spectacular. He did all he could. Career-high 35 points, 8 assists. Giannis Valanciunas added a strong effort with 22 points, 17 rebounds. For the Blazers, the backcourt of Lillard and McCollum combined for 60 points 31 for dame 29 for cj how about yusuf nurkic on the day his grandmother passed away from covid complications he learned he learned of the news or at least announced it just two hours before the game but he still had 22 points 21 rebounds and six assists and really a remarkable effort i can't imagine how hard it is to play such an important game the day someone you're so close to pass away i commend him for his effort he was huge especially on the boards in the win. Portland will now play the Lakers in the first round as the eighth seed. And that's going to be the most competitive 1-8 matchup in a long time. Clippers-Warriors last year, it only went to six, but that was still relatively fun to watch. There's a legit chance that Damian Lillard and the Blazers pull this off, but they're going to need some defenses if that's going to happen because their defense is awful. We know they can put up points, but we know that the other their opponent can always put up points against that defense. Before we get to my playoff predictions, I want to talk about the Pelicans. You may have heard this, uh, I believe it happened Saturday. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that the Pelicans have, quote, dismissed head coach Alvin Gentry. Dismissed is the word I keep seeing. I'm not seeing the word fired. It's basically just a nicer way of saying you're fired. You have been dismissed of your duties. Yeah, that does sound nicer. Anyway, he is no longer the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. And this came as a surprise to me, but at the same time, not really. Like, I wasn't expecting it to happen, but I thought it should have because I was disappointed by the Pelicans' performance in Orlando. They were given the easiest schedule, and that's not just my opinion. It's a fact. Their strength of schedule was dead last of the returning teams in the bubble. The reason we have the play-in tournament is because (laughs) the league wanted Zion in the playoffs, basically. They wanted to see Zion versus LeBron in the first round. It's that simple. They made it so easy for New Orleans. And yet, I don't know who exactly was making the decisions, whether it be Gentry or GM David Griffin or someone else. But they went about their business down there like they didn't care what happened. Like they didn't care what they did or where they landed in the standings or if they made the playoffs or not. They played Zion 14, 15 minutes the first couple of games and then slowly got his minutes up to, what, 20 to 25 a night? I think his highest was like 27. That's not enough. If you expect to get your team into the playoffs or at least in the play-in tournament, you got to play your star. You can't limit his minutes. You weren't doing that before, at least in the second half portion of his 19-game return before the hiatus. He was playing like 35 minutes a game. Like, what happened? He had four months off. Did he not do anything? He was healthy. Why Why are you holding him back? I understand the longevity and long-term career and future concerns with injury and health in general and stuff like that. But the goal was to make the playoffs, right? Why would you go down there if you weren't going to try to do that? You could tell, you could tell 
that by their second game, that atrocious loss to the Clippers, the final score was 126 to 103, but it was far worse than that for the majority of the game. I mean, they were almost down by 40 for a good bit. It may have even gotten to that point. It may have it may have even been a 40-point lead at one point. I don't remember for sure, but it was a blowout. They had no business even taking part in that game. And then after New Orleans left the bubble, remember because all the teams that did not qualify for the playoffs were asked to leave the bubble immediately following their final game. After they leave, a report comes out saying Lonzo Ball looked, quote, checked out the entire time they were down there in the bubble. This coming from David Aldridge, who reported many people in Orlando think he checked out. And it certainly looked like it on the court. He did not play well. Seven points, five rebounds, six assists, 30% field goal percentage. He was bad. There's no other way to put it. He was just bad in terms of his production on the floor. And you can't have that from your starting point guard if you expect to make a playoff push. So this isn't all on Pelicans management and how they handled Zion, but things certainly could have gone much better if certain people made better decisions. Aldridge also reported that there is expected to be some major roster adjustments before next season in New Orleans. So maybe that will help. I like the young talent they have. It's just nowhere near enough to get them anywhere near a championship level team unless Zion comes out and averages 30 and 15 and plays 35 minutes a game. Which is entirely possible if he gets his body right, which is another thing I want to talk about. As I said before, Zion looked great in the second half of his return to play before the hiatus. He looked great in the first half, too. He was just limited. So he had four months to get his body in great shape. Work out, eat well, do whatever he needed. And he came back and just didn't look like himself. Almost like he didn't take care of himself as well as he should have during the stoppage of play. In an interview after the Pelicans' final game, which he sat out, by the way, he said, quote, I'll talk to my coaches and see what I need to do better from their point of view. Talk to my player development coaches as well. See what I need to do better from their point of view. Just work on every part of my game and work on getting my body where it needs to be. So I was right. There was something wrong with Zion Williamson. It wasn't like an injury or anything. His body just wasn't where it needed to be. He wasn't in the physical shape he needed to be in order to compete at a high level. Would he have been fine playing more minutes? Probably. He said he felt good and didn't like the minutes restriction that was being put on him. But I heard that the Pelicans are going to put some sort of diet together for him this offseason. Like, if it's a very special diet because, you know, he's a special case. Which would be good for him. Kendrick Perkins, a former New Orleans Pelican himself, also played for the Celtics, Thunder, and Cavs, said he thinks Zion has to drop 35 to 40 pounds to sustain playing 35-plus minutes a game consistently. And that's reasonable. Yes, that is a lot of weight to lose. But he is the third heaviest player in the NBA behind Taco Fall and Boban. This, that's my favorite stat, I think, right now. I think that's my favorite stat in the NBA is that Zion is the third heaviest player behind Taco Fall and Boban, who are 7'6 and 7'4. He's 285 at 6'6. 6'6, 6'7, whatever. And with how often he's jumping, how high he's jumping, how fast he's running, how much energy he exerts on a nightly basis, because he plays hard. I mean, it's a lot to take, especially for those knees with all that jumping. So something has to change within Zion for him to, I think, reach his full potential. The change in the Pelicans as an organization is already starting with the dismissal of Alvin Gentry. That's so nice. Can we use that for every time that happens to a coach? Nope, because the Bulls fired Jim Boylan after just two seasons with the team. Literally, every report I see on him has the word fired. Not as cordial in Chicago as in New Orleans, because 
The Bulls were just falling apart. That situation is really a disaster. Zach Levine is talented, but they can't do anything with him. They can't construct a solid roster around him. They have talented young guys, but it just doesn't work. Wendell Carter Jr., Laurie Markkinen, Kobe White, all those guys can play, but for some reason, it just it doesn't translate to wins on the court. And that's what the Bulls have been since Derrick Rose left. Like, it's a disaster. Boylan went 39-84 and 84 in his two years with the team, so I think that was a good decision to fire him. Bubble awards were handed out over the weekend. Damian Lillard, by unanimous vote, I think, I heard, was named MVP. Suns head coach Monty Williams was named coach of the seeding games. First team all bubble included Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, James Harden, who, by the way, led the league in scoring for the third straight season, just the fourth player to do that since the NBA-ABA merger. George Gervin, Kevin Durant, and Michael Jordan, the other three. He's the first player besides MJ and Wilt to average more than 34 points a game in multiple seasons. If you're on a category, if you're on a chart or stat with Wilt or MJ, I mean, you've made it. And he's also the third player ever to lead the league in total points and steals. Jordan and Allen Iverson, the other two. One of the greatest, if not the greatest scorers in NBA history. I don't know. It's between him, MJ, and Wilt, in my opinion. So Lillard, Booker, Harden, Luka Doncic, and TJ Warren were named to the first team. Second team was Karis LeVert, Michael Porter Jr., Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, and Chris Dapps Porzingis. I was relatively close. I put Giannis on first team instead of Harden. Other than that, my first team was almost exactly the same. And I had Michael Porter Jr. and Chris Dapps Porzingis. I did not have LeVert and Kawhi Leonard. I had Jokic and Embiid. But Embiid didn't play enough, I don't think. In the games he did play a lot, he dominated. But in the games where he was like injured, played half a quarter and finished with five, two and two and five points, it just wasn't enough to get him consideration. But congrats to all the award winners. Okay, the playoffs have started. It is approximately 1.40 p.m. Eastern time on Monday, August 17th. Which means the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz are playing right now. I don't know the score. I'm not watching that. I'm recording the podcast. But here are my playoff predictions because none of the games have been decided yet. So it's it's still okay to make these. So Lakers-Blazers. Let's look at the Western Conference first. Lakers-Blazers. I have the Lakers in six. I do think the Blazers could pull it off. In I think they need seven games. But the Blazers could pull it off. I could see this going to seven games very easily. But I'm going to say Lakers in six for now. Just because I think LeBron is going to get his team in the right playoff mode. And they're going to start hitting shots and playing better than they have in the first eight games of the return. Clippers-Mavericks. I have the Clippers in six. That Mavericks team is talented enough to knock uh, to beat them a couple times. Doncic and Porzingis is enough to get one, maybe two wins. I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers got this done in five. However, I wouldn't be surprised if it went to seven. Denver versus Utah. Denver in six for me. Utah's the kind of team that could get swept, but could also push Denver to seven games if they play the right way because we saw that double overtime game that they had. Donovan Mitchell went off. 
So I'm just going in the middle of that, about five or six games for Denver. Rockets, Thunder. It's going to be hard without Westbrook for the Rockets to... I'm not... Okay, I'm not too worried about it, to be honest, because they've played with James Harden forever, and they've played with just James Harden a lot. So I'm not terribly worried. I think James Harden is just going to carry carry them to a, win, a serious win in six games. But it's going to be competitive. Each game is going to be tough. There may be one or two freak blowouts, but I expect the series to be competitive, but Rockets in six. So <laughs> all the Western Conference first round series, I have the higher seed winning in six. Oh, okay, the Rockets are fifth seed. Sorry. I have the Lakers winning in six, the Clippers winning in six, the Nuggets winning in six, and the Rockets winning in six. For the for the East, the Bucks and the Magic, the Bucks, if they don't sweep this, I will be very disappointed. So Bucks in four. Raptors, Nets. The Nets are a team that could pull off a couple of upsets, but I'm going to say Raptors in five. Celtics, Sixers. I'm going to have, because the Sixers are without Ben Simmons, and that hurts. That just makes them much easier to guard because they know who to shift their focus to defensively in Joel Embiid. Embiid will dominate enough to to get them one or two wins, but I think the overall better team play and star talent of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, all those guys is going to carry the Celtics to a six-game win. The Pacers and Heat, the 4-5 matchup. I have the Heat in seven. That's the only first-round series I have definitively said I think is going seven. The Lakers and Blazers the other is the other one I think that could happen. So that means in the second round, I have the Lakers and the Rockets, the one versus the five. I said this a couple podcasts ago, and I'm going to say it again. The Rockets are going to win this series if they match up with the Lakers. So, But they're going to need seven games. They really are. So I'm going to say Rockets in seven. Clippers, Nuggets, the two versus the three. I have the Clippers in five or six probably. I'm going to say six because the Nuggets are they are getting better. They are getting better. I don't think they're Western Conference Finals capable, especially since they have to match up against the best team in the league. In the Eastern Conference semifinals, Bucks versus Heat. A lot of people are picking the Heat to upset the Bucks. I I I don't know. I don't know. I want to say Giannis will carry them to a, a, a win, a series win. So I'm going to say Bucks in six because I really hope Giannis steps up his game and shows that he's capable of performing in the playoffs, unlike he did last year. Raptors Celtics that's the two and the three I have this one going to seven games this is going to be probably the one of the best series all playoffs if not the best Clipper or not Clippers the Raptors I have the Raptors in seven so Rockets versus Clippers would be the West my Western Conference Finals pick I have the Clippers in six the Clippers are just too deep Mike D'Antoni goes with like an eight-man rotation which does help because it keeps your star power Russ and Harden on the floor longer but it, I mean, the Clippers are going to have all these fresh guys constantly, like Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, Landry Shamit, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. All of them are going to be fresh and probably going to be a lot less tired than the Rockets will be. So I expect the Clippers to to take that series. Bucks Raptors is my Eastern Conference Finals prediction, and I have the Bucks in seven in a very very hard fought series. 
So that means I have the Clippers and the Bucks in the finals. Yes, my prediction changed because the Sixers don't have Ben Simmons anymore. So, but I still have the Clippers winning it all. I have them winning in six. So the playoffs start today. Quadruple header on ESPN. Quadruple header on TNT Tuesday and Wednesday. Then it's back on ESPN Thursday, another quadruple header. And then a uh, quadruple header Friday on TNT. It's about to go down. We have waited for this for so long. It has been over a year since game six of last year's finals. And the playoffs are just now starting. That's really weird. And the playoffs, they're, they're finally back. I can't wait to see how it all plays out. To wrap up today, this day in NBA history, nothing significant happened. Happy birthday to Rudy Gay. And we will be back hopefully soon with a recap of all the first round game ones. See you then.